This is episode 317, Healing the Mother Wound with Abigail. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Well, this caller came at the perfect time because I just finished recording the Coach's Corner episode with Bethany Webster. I hope that you listened to that over the weekend. If you haven't, definitely, definitely have a listen to that. We talked about discovering the inner mother and healing the mother wound. And this is huge. This is huge for mothers and daughters, mothers and sons. This is huge for any of you who have children. And it's just so important for all of us to find our own inner mother. We talk about finding the inner parent a lot. And when we teach the inner child workshop, we actually start to distinguish between the inner mother or that some people prefer to say that divine feminine loving energy and the inner father or that really divine fatherly loving protective energy and the the differentiation between the two. So we want to have an idea of our inner parent, but to go even further, our inner mother and our inner father. And again, that's all stuff that we teach in the inner child workshop that is coming up this weekend. So if you're listening now, it's not too late to register. If you're listening later after we've taught the workshop, the workshop is October 8th through 10th, you can always go and purchase a recording. And if you can't make it live, that's totally fine. The recordings are just as powerful and effective, but encourage you, if you can make it live, jump in, really make it a retreat weekend for yourself. It's just such a sweet, wonderful, amazing, powerful workshop. And it's a gentle way to do inner child work. I think what keeps people from doing inner child work is we think we have to relive our trauma and go back and relive memories. Or maybe we don't have a lot of memories of our childhood and think, oh, well, I can't do inner child work. None of those things are true. You can absolutely heal your childhood and connect with your inner child if you have no memories Or if you have memories that are really awful and traumatic, you do not have to go back and relive them. I don't suggest that at all. So the link is christinehassler.com slash inner child. Check it out there. If you need help financially, go to christinehassler.com slash scholarship, fill out the form there, and we'll help you as best we can. We never want money to be a reason that you don't participate in something that intuitively you feel will be wonderful for your healing. So as you're listening to this call with Abigail, consider, are you often struggling with identifying what's masculine and feminine energy and you're kind of really getting in your head about it and don't really know how to be in your masculine or feminine? Do you feel like you've worked on the mother wound and know intuitively there's probably still more to do? Do you identify with being a caretaker, someone who takes care of other people's needs as a way to try and get your own needs met? And as a child, were you more in the parent role than you were in the child role? Did your parent or parents count on you for emotional support? Did they confide in you? Were you more of a friend and not allowed to really truly be a kid? So keep those questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Bethany. 
And before we dive in, you heard me talk a lot about anxiety, and it's great to have external things that support anxiety as well. And one of my favorites is Soul CBD. It's a great supplement to take daily when you're trying to balance your central nervous system. I've really seen a difference when I've used it in my efficiency and ease when running through a long to-do list or when you know, there's decisions I have to make and I'm experiencing some anxiety. I'm able to just drop in and finish it with much more ease. Now there's a lot of mediocre CBD products on the market. So I feel comfortable with Soul CBD because they're completely THC free, organically farmed, gluten-free and third-party tested for toxins. One of my favorite products are the gummies. They're so delicious and are a good like excuse for dessert. I love the coconut vanilla. They also have oils, capsules, and a topical, and even a CBD bath bomb. Love that. Really, really good to do before you go to sleep. It clears your energy, recalibrates your homeostasis, and bath bombs are just fun. They fizz away in the bathtub, and they're super meditative to watch, I think. And here's another really cool part. You get 15% off automatically and free shipping if you live in the U.S. when you go to mysoulcbd.com slash over it. Again, that's 15% off automatically. My soul, M-Y-S-O-U-L-C-B-D.com slash over it. Abigail, welcome to the show. How can I help? Well, thank you for having me. And I've been struggling to stay in my feminine this concept is like a very new concept to me and my partner. And we've been working on this together. And I feel like I just, I keep coming out of it and I keep returning to fear and not staying in touch with my feminine intuition and having a hard time staying there. Okay. I hear you. And, you know, when we say femininity and femininity, feminine intuition, that can mean a lot of different things. So what specifically is happening? I think there is just a lot of change and uncertainty in my life. Mm -hmm. And I can just really not like it or not want to embrace it and want to make a plan and like write things down and just like, I think I have it all figured out in my mind. And then when it doesn't go that way, I have a hard time, I guess, adapting to the changes or just, you know, just trusting. I have a hard time trusting that it's going to work out. Okay. And not even, not even, you know, like making, thinking 10 steps ahead. (laughs) Okay. And why do you think that has anything to do with femininity? So like I said, this is like a very new idea for me. Okay. And I thought that like being in your feminine meant that you are more trusting and less analytical and making to-do lists. It it can be, but we, sometimes we confuse masculine and feminine energy for protective patterns. So being trusting and being present and not being reactive is just a human quality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I want to kind of stay away from putting it in the pocket of masculine or, or feminine behavior because I think that will just confuse you. And first, right. I just want to say, 
every human likes to have control. Every human likes certainty when we're going through a lot of change in our life and the world is the way the world is right now, which feels very unstable and very scary for many of us. It's normal to want some certainty and to have a hard time just trusting the free fall. Because it sounds like you're in a bit of a free fall right now. Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of things you don't know. There's a lot of transition and it just feels kind of scary. Yeah. 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 So do you mind talking a little bit about the changes that are going on in your life right now? Well, for the past, I would say four years, my partner and I have moved like every few months, it feels like. So, and we just moved to a new place, a new apartment and we have a one-year lease there so um like that feels like the most certainty we've had in a while um but just like the culmination of all those little moves over and over and over again definitely has I think just been weighing on me and then I just left a nine-year nursing career Mm. and so I'm retiring from that and have found a calling working as a postpartum and birth doula. Amazing. Um, but, and then talk about trusting (laughs) and no control. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, I think though I was maybe more trusting that it was going to fall into place Mm. faster than it did. And so I kind of feel like I'm in this in between stage where I still have my nursing experience and my nursing knowledge, I worked with pediatrics all across the U S but like, I'm not working in that role anymore, but then I'm also like still working to build a community in the doula world and in my new home. And I guess I've just been like beating myself up and being like, I I don't know. I guess I just feel that I must be doing something wrong. If like everything isn't falling into place, you Mm -hmm. know, in a certain timeline. Yeah. Right. I hear you. So tell me what it was like in your house when things were unstable, like when there was something going on in, in, in either your life or in your family where there was uncertainty or things didn't go like they were expected to go. How did your parents handle that? <laughs> My dad is Irish Catholic, so he just got really red in the face and didn't express any emotions, but we could all feel that he was tense or that he was angry or upset, but he wasn't articulating that. And then my mom was kind of on the opposite end. And if things were uncertain or if she was upset, she would let us know, but it was like to the extreme. So her happies were extremely happy and her sads were, or, you know, lows were extremely low. So I feel like they were like the exact opposite. So I got a little bit of both maybe during uncertain times. Like my mom would talk about things that were upsetting her or bothering her like all day, every day. And my dad wouldn't say anything. Mm -hmm. So would you agree that you really didn't have any good role models for modeling how to navigate uncertainty? I I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah. So if you grew up only speaking English and then – all of a sudden at this point in your life, you're like, oh, I'm so mad that I don't understand people when they're speaking Spanish. <laughs> it wouldn't make much sense, right? Because you're like, well, I didn't no. learn Spanish. Or if you right. tried to learn it now, it wouldn't be as easy to learn if you grew up with it, if you were taught with it when you were three or four, right? right. So what I'm trying, the, the point I'm trying to make here is that 
you know, there's an expectation that you should be a certain way when you've had zero modeling of that way to be. So can you see how this is more of an inner child wound than being in your feminine? Like, and also you didn't have a really good role model for that either. It doesn't sound like mom was really empowered and grounded in her feminine energy. She didn't really know how to handle dad and she didn't really know how to handle her own stuff. And this isn't about blaming her. This is just about pointing out to you, Abigail, that you've been trying to figure this out, both how to deal with uncertainty and how to deal with your own pain about the fact that your parents never made you feel really safe. So you never felt really safe as a child. And now you're moving around a lot. You left your career. That's really triggering for your little girl, really triggering. She doesn't feel safe. So this is less about you, like it, given what you've been through and just a little I'm talking to you, it would be completely irrational and unreasonable for you to believe that you should just trust the free fall right now. It's an unrealistic expectation. Will you get there someday? Probably, maybe. But the way in right now that I'd like to get with you is total acceptance that you're triggered right now. And can we remove the judgment that you should be handling this differently? I'm I'm gonna work with you on the trigger, but I've gotta get you to accept and have compassion for where you are at first. I accept it (laughs) and I have compassion. Yeah. Can you see how just a little girl in there is scared? She's been moved around. She's left a job. She wants to start this new career, but she didn't really grow up in a home where she was told all the time, you can do anything. What do you want to express? We believe in you. We've got you. Like, you know, there's there's a lack of self-confidence here too as you start a new career. Can you see that? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so funny too, like as soon as you said the inner child, I think also part of like my inner child is wanting to please my parents. And so like, you know, me beating myself up, being like, I'm not getting this perfect. Like that's also... I think yeah, something that my inner child just wants to get it right. <laughs> yeah. Very good awareness. What would pleasing your parents do for you? Get me love and attention. <laughs> and then what would that do for you? I think validate me or make me feel loved. Mm-hmm. So would it be fair to say that even though conceptually you might've known you were loved as a child, you didn't really feel it most of the time. Yes. Yeah. That's that's a big owie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's going to create the patterns of looking for love and validation in your own relationship, in your career, in, in anything you do. You're going to be seeking, do you like me? Do you see me? Do you love me? Am I safe? Right. Right. So at the core of this is inner child work. At the core of this is you working with little Abigail first to check in and see how she's feeling. So let's do that. Just close your eyes for a moment. And if it's helpful, you can put a hand on your heart and a hand on your belly. Sometimes that helps us check in and connect in. And just think of you as a little girl, maybe around seven or eight years old. And go back to that time. Actually go back to as if you're seven or eight and talk to me in present tense. What are you feeling as a little seven or eight-year-old girl? I just feel really alone. Yeah. What else? I feel 
the pressure on my chest. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to describe how I'm feeling. Mm. If that pressure on your chest could talk, what would it say? I feel like like I can't breathe, like mm-hmm. it's constricting. Mm-hmm. And what feels like it's constricting you? I think just the pressure of the responsibility I feel. Mm, What do you feel responsible for? My sister's Hmm. and my mom's happiness. Mm. Mm. What do you feel like you have to do for them? Make sure that they're okay. Mm. And how do you do that? We take care of their every need. Hmm. What happens to your needs? I don't have any. Mm-hmm. Well, you do. You just push them aside. And you're trying to meet your needs for love and safety by meeting their needs. Like if they're okay, maybe they can show up for you, especially mom. Like if you make mom okay, then maybe she'll be your mommy. She won't be so distracted by her emotional stuff or whatever it is. So can you see that you've been trying to get your needs met by taking care of others? That's why I became a nurse. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yep. Mm. What do you need? What does little Abigail need? I need to feel seen and heard yeah and then it's okay for you to have needs and that someone particularly your mother will meet them Mm -mm. yeah so I just want to give that little girl permission to speak to her mother and not be nicey nice not worry about pleasing her. Like give her full permission to say whatever she wants to say about her mom or to her mom. So if you can imagine that you have your mom standing in front of you and she's giving you total permission to say whatever you want to say, whatever you need to say to her, what comes up for you? Mm. Mom, I don't feel like you listen to my needs and that I am always here to listen to you, to take care of you. And I feel like you treat me like a friend, Mm. not a child. And what you ask of me is too much. Tell her what she's asking of you. What is she asking of you? When you ask me to watch my sisters, when you ask me to listen to your worries and your fears, 
I can't handle it all. Mm -hmm. And also focus on my spelling and be a kid, (laughs) my grades and all the other activities that you want me to be in. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. And I just want to be a little girl. I want to have a childhood. I just want to play. Yeah. 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 So what do you notice in your body now? My heart feels a little more open. Mm-hmm. And my throat doesn't feel like there's a frog in it or that... <laughs> It's constricting. My throat feels like I can take a deep breath. Ah, So do that as I ask you this question. So just tapping into your own inner knowing, why do you think your heart feels more open and your throat feels less constricted? Because I just emotionally dumped all this Mm -hmm. inner child baggage. (laughs) You expressed yourself authentically. There's no dumping. There's no baggage. This is what's true for you. And this is you expressing. And this, my love, is what you needed as a child. You didn't need to be the mother and the caretaker and the pleaser. And so you've developed a coping strategy of getting your needs met through caring for others. But it hasn't brought you fulfillment one and it hasn't brought you a feeling of being settled feeling settled inside and so that's why uncertainty is so challenging for you because no one was there to make you feel safe you had to make your mother feel safe you could only make yourself feel safe by managing her emotions it's so true and by doing what she needed you to do And again, this isn't about blaming your mother, throwing her under the bus, but actually getting clear about the dysfunctional things that were happening is part of the journey of healing. We have to go through the call it blame, call it pointing fingers, call it just being really honest about what happened and the anger and the rage and around that to eventually, eventually down the road, get to forgiveness. Right. But this is a very, very common thing. And in my last coach's corner, perfect. We're talking about this because I talked to Bethany Webster about healing the mother wound. This is a very, very common pattern. The child, you in this case, Abigail, gets parentified, gets thrown into roles and obligations that are not for a child. You shouldn't have been co-raising your sisters. You shouldn't have been your mom's therapist and sounding board. That's not okay. Right. I mean, I think I, like I said, that's how I felt love. And yep. so I, I love, like I wanted to do it. I loved doing it, but you know, I was eight and I thought I right. had four children. Right. <laughs> I right. was you, eight. You love doing it because it was the only thing that made you feel validated. Right. And that gets you in a tricky situation because unless you're caring for others, you feel worthless. Mm-hmm. And right now being in between jobs and not having you know, if you had 10 doula clients, you and I probably wouldn't be talking because you'd be so busy caretaking that, that you'd get your fix. But this space, now that you're grounded 
And now that you're kind of in between nursing and starting a new career is bringing up for you, oh my gosh, like I'm not distracting myself with caretaking and you're you're feeling your trauma. You're feeling the unsettledness. And that's why kind of going back to what I earlier, I said earlier, just going into trust and surrender right now, one is is irrational and two, you'd be missing the healing opportunity. This anxiety that you're feeling, this uncertainty that you're feeling, this hesitation that you're feeling is your soul knocking on the door and saying, hey, Abigail, you got to heal the mother wound. You got to find your inner mother. It's time to do this work. It's time to take care of you instead of all these other people. It's time to mother you instead of everyone else. I thought like I have done some work on this, but I think like it's just so deep that it's like it's still not fully healed. And so maybe that's why I was thinking it was like something different, but like I still, I still feel pain. It's not fully resolved. Like I just had a visceral reaction, you know, when we were talking about this. So I definitely have done work because I worked in the hospital and that I think I was everyone's needs were always so much more important than mine. So I wouldn't eat or drink or go to the bathroom for 12 hours. But then I took a step back and was doing more school nursing. So, you know, like my caretaking was less Mm -hmm. intense, but in, in that journey, I definitely like addressed the wound, but not, I think like you're saying, it's still there. It's still right. Right. It's getting triggered. And, and, you know, we, we can only handle what we can handle at the time. So you started to address it. You started to look at, oh my gosh, I haven't peed for 12 hours or had a sip of water. (laughs) And you started to, to really look. And then this, this new trigger is bringing up a deeper level. And I'm, I'm guessing from the exchange we've had so far, you haven't really gotten to your rage about this. You haven't really gotten to F you, mom, you were supposed to be the mother and you made me the mother. I had no childhood. Like that kind of anger and rage. Now, of course, you're not going to call your mom up and say that. <laughs> this is the stuff that we do in our own inner work. But the, the thing with people pleasers and caretakers and people that are just angelic like you are is that rage can feel really scary and foreign, especially with red in the face, dad, because you're going to go, I don't want any of that. That is mm-hmm. scary. I'm not doing the anger thing, but you have to. So my guess is you haven't really stuck your toe in that pool. Not yet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here we are, right? Mm -hmm. Here we are. And it's an important part because what perpetuates the mother wound, and I don't know if you want children, but what perpetuates the mother wound is women not dealing with their own rage. Because what happens is our unprocessed rage gets projected onto our children. And it's like mothers look at their daughters and don't want their daughters to go farther than they did. And so subconsciously find ways to keep them small. So does that make sense what I just said? Yeah. And I, I definitely don't want to project anything onto any of my children. So right. if I need to get angry, I guess I can. <laughs> yeah, I know you can. 
<laughs> but if you really think about, and again, it's not staying angry at her. It's not blaming her forever. It's about moving through the anger and rage so that you can find your empowerment and you can find your voice. And when we don't, you know, our mother's our most significant relationship, male, female, whatever. It's our most significant relationship. Father's a very close second. Not that he's any less significant in our life, but we, we are in our mother's womb or if we are adopted, our mother is our, you know, she's the caretaker and the nurturer. And so much of our self-worth is tied into that. And so much of our sense of safety and being able to nourish and nurture ourselves. And so this is a biggie. And this is something that's going to show up in your relationship as well. Because what happens is we end up getting into relationships with people that are like our mother or our father and or we get into patterns in the relationship where we are not the, the, basically the same patterns we were in with our mother. So I don't know if caretaking right. shows up in your relationship. The other thing that can happen in the relationship is the polarity can die because there's a wounded little girl in there. And I don't know how old you are. Let's just say you're 30. There's sometimes you're showing up as a 30-year-old, but there's sometimes subconsciously you're actually eight or 10 in the relationship because you get triggered in some way. Right. And when the inner child is up, there's not a lot of polarity and attraction. So it impacts the relationship as well. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that at all in your relationship? What I've noticed in my relationship is when we met, I was very much in like a more masculine and he was more feminine. And so I've struggled with attraction for him. Mm-hmm. And what do you mean you were in masculine and he was in feminine? Like I just took care of myself. I didn't rely on him. I supported myself completely and was just like very driven and mm-hmm. not really wanting to mother someone again. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you attracted someone that was safe. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. safe. Yeah. And unconsciously there's probably a part of you that's hoping he'll mother you. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that could be a whole nother podcast. And, (laughs) but what I think will, will really handle this in so many ways. One, it would be really great if you joined us for the inner child workshop, this would handle a lot of this and give Mm -hmm. you the opportunity to deal with some of these emotions and all of that. And we have scholarships and it's doable and it would be a really beautiful step for the little girl inside of you. Definitely check out Bethany Webster's work and listen to the podcast and start to give your anger a voice. Even after we hang up, maybe write an F you letter to mom, start to get that out. I know that can feel really, can feel like a betrayal and it can feel really mean. But again, all of this is so that you have a better mothering relationship inside yourself and can get to forgiveness let go of resentment and break generational patterns. But we, we have to be willing to look at what was effed up about our relationship with our mom. If we ever want to get out of the entanglement, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. 
even just what you were saying, like resentment for future generations. I think that I can sometimes, like I did see my sisters as my children. And so I think I can resent them sometimes. Sure. And so I would love to have a relationship that was free of resentment with all of them. All possible. Mm -hmm. You just have to go through the big feelings to get there. Well, if this call is an indicator, I'm definitely open and willing. Oh, a thousand percent you are. I'm really, really proud of you. And I know you can. And this is also going to really help your work as a doula because Mm -hmm. a big thing that gets in the way during birth is the mother wound. Yes. Birth, pregnancy, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And postpartum. Yes. So I'm not surprised you're called to... We didn't know you were called to doing all this inner mother work. (laughs) You thought we were going to talk about femininity. Um, Uh Surprise. But... This is another reason you're being called, so so that you can be a more empowered teacher and support coach. This will have ripple effects on the women and the babies that you help bring into the world. So beautiful. It really is. You're exactly where you meant to be. There's nothing wrong with the timing of things right now. It's all unfolding perfectly. (laughs) Thank you. So thank you so much, Abigail, for for being so open, for being so coachable, for allowing me to lead you down a road that, as you said, towards the end, you'd been down before, but take you a little deeper and move you away from your initial question. So as you heard, Abigail's initial question was about struggling to stay in her feminine. And I'm so glad that this was the question she brought this up because I really want to break this down. So I love teaching masculine feminine energy I teach it myself. I teach it with Steph. It's really awesome. But here's the thing. You can't really tap into true masculine and feminine energy until you do a lot of your inner child work. And I'll tell you why. We confuse, oh, I'm not in my feminine enough, or I'm too in my masculine, or I'm too in my feminine. I'm not in my masculine enough. We think it's about masculine and feminine energy when it's really about protective behaviors. So her whole ability to not trust and to control maybe more than she wanted to, and to need answers and not be comfortable in the free fall is less about, oh, she's not connected to her feminine energy and more about, it just feels too scary. There's an inner child wound where it does not feel safe to trust and let go. You know, it, it did not feel safe in her home for her to really be herself. She always had to be taking care of people. So she doesn't really have any embodied experience of being able to just trust uncertainty. And you heard in her home when there was uncertainty, dad got red in the face, mom, you know, either had high highs or low lows. So that's very, very, very unsettling for a child. And now she's in a phase in her life where she's moving frequently. Thank goodness she's in a year lease now. She's shifting careers. And so it's triggering all that uncertainty. And now she doesn't have a job. I mean, she's building a job as a doula, but she doesn't have a job as a nurse to go and care for people. So there's no way to distract herself through her coping mechanism because caretaking became a coping strategy. Taking care of mom, taking care of sister, she felt like that was her job. If you're okay, I'm okay kind of thing. And so when there's all this uncertainty and she doesn't have the coping strategy to fall to, of course she's going to freak out. Of course she's going to feel completely anxious and unsettled and question herself and be looking for what do I quote unquote do. And there's nothing to do externally. 
Like it's not about going and taking a class in femininity or taking a class in building her business in doulaism. Doulaism a word? I don't know. It is now. It's really about the inner work. So many of you can relate to this. Pleasing parents or pleasing people is a way that you get safety. So it's like, if I please people, then I get the validation that they love me and then I feel safe. So many of us people please for safety because we all need to feel safe. And you heard when we talked to little Abigail, she feels really alone. She feels like she can't breathe and she feels the pressure of the responsibility to make others happy and take care of them, especially mom. This is not okay. It is not okay for a mother to expect her daughter to be her friend or her caretaker or her confidant. And again, go and listen to the coach's corner with Bethany Webster. And for you mothers that maybe have done it to your child, like talk too much about your marriage or your personal life or complained about your friends and kind of befriended or spousified your child, forgive yourself, apologize to your child and do better honestly do better. Get friends, get a counselor. Don't put your child in that role. It's completely unfair to a child because it robs them of childhood. Your child shouldn't be talking about your marriage with you or really know about it or your friendships or any of those things. Of course, you can talk to your child about how to make friendships or, you know, if your child sees you in an argument with a friend, you can say, well, sometimes friends disagree and you can teach them but not go to your child and say, oh, my friend, Kathy, I mean, I just can't believe she did that, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 not okay, not appropriate. And as you learned in the interview with Bethany, it's become societally acceptable for moms and daughters to be best friends. And no, mm -mm. no, that's your best friends are your peers. Your mother is your mother. So, so many of us have to find that inner mother because we didn't really get a mother. <laughs> we got someone who had their wounds, had their wounding with their mother and father and just life in general. Didn't really have any training on how to deal with their rage, deal with their unmet dreams, their unmet needs, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, maybe tries to do things differently with their own children, but still bring some of that old stuff into the parent-child dynamic. So for Abigail, it's, it's so much about allowing herself permission to go into that mother wound, allow herself to have that anger and speak what she needs to speak, yell, scream, whatever she needs to do. And of course, she will eventually get to forgiveness. But right now, it's still she's still really in the emotion of it. And let's just talk for a moment about unrealistic expectations we put on ourselves like being able to trust the free fall when we don't have an embodied sense of safety. For her to just be like, oh, I should just be trusting. And that's, you've heard me say this. It's one of my pet peeves about the personal growth industry. It's like, it's just about our mindset. You know, it's just about, you just got to trust. You just got to choose. You just got to be grateful. And all that is true. It's really important to trust and be grateful and all of that. But when past trauma and inner child wounding is triggered, it's an invitation for us to go and deal with that and speak to that little one and let her have her voice. And then it's so much easier to be trusting because we don't have an inner child that's tugging at us going, I'm not okay. And so eventually I'm sure Abigail will get to a place where she can really trust and surrender and be grateful and uncertainty. Right now, that's not the priority. 
it can be a result of the work that she does, but the priority is working on that mother wound and discovering the inner mother within herself. And finally, and this is one of the big takeaways for you, let's talk about the free fall or all those times in life when we feel things aren't working out, we feel like we're not doing enough, and we just kind of feel like we're in limbo. The temptation is to fix it. The temptation is to, what do I go and do to pay my bills, to get the job, to figure out my life purpose? And of course, paying bills is important. I'm not minimizing that but we can often miss an opportunity to do deeper work. I mean, often we're given these pauses, this limbo, these expectation hangovers because the focus shouldn't be on the outside. The focus should really be on the inside. So if you feel like you're in one of those places where you really want to distract yourself with a job or relationship or travel or whatever it is, but it doesn't seem like that's where life is pointing you, then go, okay, like actually this is my time to go within. This is my time to do some healing work. This is my time not to try to accomplish things externally and more focus on healing things internally. All right, everybody, that's the show for this week. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. 